Right, uh, blessed one of God, um, we bless the Lord for this very hour. Uh, today I have with me um, a personality and uh, he's also into the, the work of God and uh, I will not talk much about him but um, we want to know who our guest is today. So um, without wasting much time, can we know who uh, you are today? Uh, yeah, absolutely. My name is uh, Brandon Hare. I'm a pastor in the U.S. I live in um, Asheville, North Carolina, which is uh, just, uh, I love it. I just moved here and I'm doing um, next generation ministry. So I work with kids and students and I uh, just love helping them understand who God is and how much he loves them and uh, love helping them find uh, what he has for them, what their, what their purpose is because of him. Well, that's great, uh, Brandon. I think um, you are in America, right? Uh, yes, I live in uh, the U.S. in, in uh, North Carolina, which is on the eastern side of the country, uh, close to the coast. Uh, that is uh, not um, Carolina, no, right? That's great. Um, I learned, uh, let me just be, be a little um, curious here. I learned in that state, uh, most of the people don't like the Africans. How true is that? Um, I, I haven't noticed that much. Like uh, Asheville, especially, is a pretty um, open culture. Um, there's a lot of it, it, they kind of celebrate their their tolerance, if you will. So there's a lot of uh, different nationalities, different belief systems, different uh, just a lot of of diversity. Honestly, it's it's kind of nice and also weird at the same time. <laughs> Well, that's great, uh, uh, Brandon. But I also check uh, on your, uh, I think on your YouTube, you have some YouTube channel. Um, I lent you a pastor. Are you a minister of God? Are you a pastor? Are you an ordained pastor? You have a church, or what do you do in the ministry? Uh, it goes in that way, Brandon. Oh yeah, yeah. So I am uh, an ordained pastor, and I work full time for a church plant here in Asheville that's about eight years old. Um, and I oversee their kids and student ministries, and I get to preach uh, on the weekends from time to time as well. Oh, that's great. So you are an ordained pastor? Yes. Okay. That's great, uh, uh, Pastor Brandon. But I think you, you wish I should call the Brandon is okay. So, um, okay, I may mix the Pastor Brandon and the Brandon as well together. So, um, uh, Brandon, uh, so being the ministry, what have you learned in, in being a pastor in a church, what have you learned practically, and what do you think uh, you can add up to the church, and what do you think that we can help build up our church as a ministry? Um, man, I think, honestly, what I've learned over the years is that there's just a lot of people searching for something, uh, whether they're searching for identity, searching for meaning, searching for purpose, value, whatever it is, there's, everybody's searching for something. And unfortunately, um, too often we search for it in the wrong places. We search for it in the world. We search for it in uh, status or notoriety or money, um, things like that, when we need to be searching uh, for all those things uh, in, in who God is. We need to be asking him um, how he sees us, and we need to be trying to make an, an eternal impact by pointing others to him as opposed to like gaining material wealth and things like that. So um, what could, how can we build up the church with that knowledge? I, I suppose that uh, just encouraging leaders, churchgoers, Christians in general to really get to know the people in front of you, really build relationships with them and then figure out what it is that they're searching for and then help them understand how to find that, uh, in in God as opposed to in the material world. That's great, uh, Brandon. So, um, um, if I can ask this question, uh, uh, who who is a Christian? Who because as we were talking, say some churchgoers, some Christians. So, who truly is a Christian, and how do we identify a Christian? Wow, that's a good question. Um, I think you know the truth is that who is a Christian is one that follows Jesus, um, and I don't just mean in name only or in speech but in action like how do we live our life do we do we look like jesus when somebody uh sees us do we sound like jesus when we talk are we lifting others up um, and it's not about works but honestly like i i think it's so easy for us to sometimes understand 
and reconcile with the concept of Jesus is our savior, but it's a lot harder for us to submit um, and, and walk in a life where Jesus is truly Lord of our life. And so uh, there's plenty of church goers uh, who are not Christians, but there are, um, you know, if, if we want to be a Christ follower, if we want to be in God's family, if we want to be a part of his actual church, not just a building or a gathering of people, but the true church, the body of Christ, um, we have to surrender our lives to him and, and and live a life that is worthy of our calling. You know, we have to lay down our own desires. It says, the scripture says, carry our cross daily, which means denying the things that we want and pursuing the things that he wants. Um, so yeah, that's, to me, that's what a Christ follower is, someone who follows Jesus literally uh, with their whole life. Well, that's great, Brandon, Pastor Brandon, um, living like, uh, so uh, if I want to ask, uh, um, how can we be Christ-like? Uh, how can, what are some practical ways that we can follow to become like Christ or Christ Jesus? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that, you know, I, I don't know if it was a trend everywhere, but for a long time, there was a trend here in the States where everybody would wear these bracelets that said uh, WWJD or what would Jesus do? And uh, it became, unfortunately, a fashion sense instead of a life calling. Um, but I think that's the answer. How do we become more Christ-like is we, we do the things that Jesus did. You know, we, we, we act like he did. You know, that we look in Scripture. If you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if you read these books and, and just take notice of the things that Jesus did, um, he, he spent a lot of time alone with the Father in prayer, like uh, communicating with God. I think we got to start there. We need to build this relationship. And then from there, he followed the will of his father. He did what God asked him to do, whether that was serve people who were marginalized or, or serve people in ways that would um, build trust so that he could tell them who he was and invite them into a relationship with him. Uh, he loved everybody. You know, he didn't come to condemn, but came to save. You know, he wanted us to come into this relationship with him. And so I think that's how, and that's how we become more like Jesus. One, we got to spend a lot of time with the Father. So that means reading scripture, learning what it says, understanding how we can apply it to our lives, and then actually doing the things that, that Jesus did. You know, he shared uh, in meals with people and just built relationships. He loved people practically, whether it was through meeting physical needs, spiritual needs, emotional needs, like he loved people really well. Um, and that's, I think that's what we have to do. And scripture says, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So when we love God and love others, that's how we become more Christ-like. Well, that's great. You really entered deep. But you did make some points that uh, we should love our neighbors ourselves, we should love Christ, and then do what Christ did. And uh, you certainly not uh, abandoned to it. So uh, if I can dive more deeper into your question, um, how can we experience God uh, in times of trouble, affliction, pains, difficulty? How do we experience God? Uh, yeah, that's that's a really good question, especially when you go when you're thinking about times of trouble or times of pain. I think a lot of times when when those things happen, when we get into seasons of trouble or seasons of pain, we feel like God is far away from us. When in truth, um, we typically are farther. We we've typically moved far away from Him. And so, um, you know, the, the thing to do is to just keep pursuing him, um, even when we don't want to, you know, when, the, when we want to hide, when we want to run away, when the last thing we want to do is read our Bible or pray, that's exactly what we should be doing. Um, you know, God is experienced through closeness. He's experienced um, through his word, you know, reading, reading scripture. Uh, that is literally the word of God, you know, and so if you want to hear God's voice, read his word. Uh, if you want to experience his love, um, trust his word. And then if you want to um, experience his closeness with him, you spend time in prayer, spend time uh, talking to him, telling him what's going on in your life. He, he already knows, but he just wants to spend that time with you and then spend time listening. I think a lot of times, especially in American culture, um, a lot of times we're so motivated to just get things done to check things off the list that we'll sit down we'll say a bunch of words call it prayer and move on um, but 
you know, if you want to experience God, you have to give him time to show up in your life and to speak to you. And so there's a lot of value in, in sitting in silence or solitude and just listening for him, especially in the times of trouble. Well, that's great, Brandon. Uh, you really talk a uh, deep part today. So, um, about we experiencing God, we have to have time to scriptures, pray, and but so you are not then pastor. And 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 what really pushed you to to enter into the ministry, and what really pushed you to to become an ordained pastor? Is it that you love the profession? Is it like uh, you want to be a pastor? Is it like you just feel happy being a pastor, or you had a calling? Can we know much about you being an ordained pastor, and what really drove you to enter into the ministry? Oh, absolutely. Um, so I I gave my life to Jesus when I was about five years old. I remember sitting in this. Uh, small church in my hometown and the pastor just talking about peace and if you need peace you need Jesus and you can come and experience that peace when you give your life to him and I looked over at my mom I was like like I said I was just five I looked over at my mom and I said I I need to go up front and talk to the pastor and she said great let's go and uh, I prayed a prayer and you know invited Jesus into my heart and um and was excited about experiencing this peace. But when I went home, I found out that, that my situation at home uh, hadn't changed. You know, my family was uh, not a very peaceful place. My mom and dad were uh, didn't get along very well, and, and they got divorced when I was about 10. And so for the next few years, I really just was wondering about this peace, you know, that, that I was supposed to experience, and I never did. And so in, in high school, in college, so like my you know teenage years, I kind of uh, I fell away pretty hard. I, I wasn't following Jesus at all, and um, my life was kind of crazy. Honestly, it wasn't it wasn't in a good, I wasn't in a good place. And um, it was a few years later that I started I I met this this girl and we started hanging out and she started telling me more and more about Jesus and how I needed to. Um, get in community with other believers and I needed to get in uh, back into a relationship with him. And I kind of resisted for a while, but eventually uh, started going back to church and uh, just really fell in love with um, the worship, like worship music, just, uh, really felt God's presence. I felt peace there. And that's what I've been looking for my whole life was just this sense of peace. And I learned that even though uh, externally, like my situation wasn't very peaceful, I could still experience God's peace when I pursued that relationship with him. And it kind of changed my life uh, pretty drastically. And I I wanted to go get, I wanted to start serving in the church. And so I started uh, playing on a worship team, Uh, just played, played music and did that for student ministry. So, you know, teenage, teenage kids and uh, really loved it. But then uh, the, the guy who was leading that team, uh, decided to move on and do something else. And so it sounded like the team was going to kind of get let um, disbanded, if you will. We could go find other areas to serve, but we weren't going to be doing worship for those teenagers anymore. And I didn't I didn't like that. I wanted these kids to be able to experience the worship that had, you know, kind of really reeled me in and got me back into a relationship with Jesus. So I started just leading the team. And again, uh, as a volunteer, I didn't work for the church. I I just helped out when I could. Uh, but coordinated that team and made sure that we had people uh, every week to to play music and and lead the kids in worship, and uh, that lasted for a little while. When when the guy who was doing the youth ministry there ended up stepping down, and that same kind of discussion started to happen: uh, Do we continue a youth ministry, or do we uh, just partner with a local organization and, and call it good? Um, and so I I did not want this youth ministry to stop happening. And so I was like, uh, maybe I could just volunteer to kind of coordinate things and make it happen. And I started doing that alongside another volunteer. And we just, uh, we would get pastors to come speak. We would get, you know, we'd organize the games. We would do all those things. Um, but then eventually the, my pastor came to me and, and asked me if I wanted to be on staff to, to start working for this church and be the youth pastor. And I was terrified. I was like, I don't, I don't think that that's what I'm supposed to do. I, I don't, I don't know enough. I don't have the, the skills or the credentials to do that. Um, but if you believe in me, I'll give it a shot. And so he brought me onto the team, 
And um, that's how I kind of got into ministry in the first place. I wasn't trying to, you know, I never, I didn't grow up wanting to be a pastor. I didn't think I was going to become one. But um, after that moment, I, I really fell in love with with doing ministry, with building relationships with people far from Jesus and, and showing them uh, how much he loves them. And that's really what got me into the ministry. And from there, I started pursuing biblical education and, um, you know, learning the things that I needed to learn. But it was definitely, uh, it started because I just fell in love with, with the work of the ministry, uh, not the position or the title. Well, that's great, um, Pastor Brandon. Uh, you thought in love uh, to, to just help um, being the church. So, so you did talk a lot. So, so if I can ask, um, how do we experience the peace of Christ? Since you, you listening to you, you, like you had a kind of emotional need, a kind of um, spiritual need, some kind of joy inside you. But as you're talking, you talk about the peace of Christ. So, how do we as Christians experience? Um, the, the peace of God in our life. Yeah, that's really good. I think that that's the key, right? If we can figure out how to experience that peace, even when our life isn't peaceful or experience joy when our circumstances uh, don't look like they, we should be joyful. Um, those are the, those are the keys to, to keeping our relationship with Jesus uh, healthy. And I think that um, the, the way that we experience that is again just like uh how do we experience the presence of god i think it's it's the same way that we experience peace you know we experience peace of god or, or peace from jesus when we are in their presence when we're spending time with them and that's the thing that i was missing when i was five you know i i just thought that the pastor meant like hey literally your situation will change um, and it didn't and so i was confused and i didn't have anybody there um to help me navigate that. I didn't have anybody there to, to tell me what that meant or to, to help me understand the difference between uh, true peace in our spirit versus peace in our situation. And so there's a couple of things that I would say that are pretty key to being able to experience that peace. And one is just your regular time that you spend uh, in community with God. Like how much time do you spend praying, reading scripture, uh, worshiping, um, that kind of stuff. How much time do you spend connected to God, because that's, that's going to be a huge determining factor. And then the other thing is, like I said, I didn't have anybody to help me navigate those difficult seasons. I didn't have um, a community around me. I didn't have um, small group leaders who are pouring into me or a small group of my own. And so the second thing is, is having a real strong community of believers around you that can support you that can, you know, when, when things are not peaceful, they can sit with you and say, yeah, that's hard. Um, I'm here for you. And that's, I think that's a way to experience peace as well as just in relationships with other uh, members of the body of Christ. Oh, that's great, uh, Brandon. Um, so, so in relation to that, um, how do we as Christians, um, how do we connect with the other brethren? How do we connect with them? Because uh, it seems like uh, today we have various denominations, you have various churches, various um, beliefs and faith out there. So in such a community like this, maybe I don't know about America, but your state out there where the church is, but in some communities, it is very difficult to connect with other Christians because they are like um, the, the normal people out there, they go to work, they have their own problem, they have their own challenges. So how, as a Christian, how do you connect with other Christians in, in such a um, way? Yeah, you have to prioritize it. You have to want it, you know, and I don't know, like every church is different in how they do that. Our church has has small groups that we, you know, if you want to join a small group, you can come find us on a Sunday or you can go to our website and find a small group and just kind of show up. We, we kind of try to keep them all open. So, and that's how I got into the small group that I'm in. I just uh, looked for the time and place that would work really well for me. And I went there um, and thankfully connected with a really good group of guys that, um, we're all in their various different phases of life. We've got some guys that are older than me in there, some guys that are younger than me. And so, um, you know, every, every Friday when we get together, it's really good because, you know, if, if you're going through something, somebody in that group's probably been through it or seen it or experienced it in some way. And, um, you know, that's for me, the best way is to just, I get up early on Fridays and come hang out with my, with my men's group. Um, and then I've got friends in the church that we just hang out 
um, or get together more randomly. You know, I went trick or treating um, for my daughter. I went to a, like a church fall festival with some friends not too long ago. Um, and that's just another way to just have fun with people and build those relationships. Um, and so, I, and again, as, like I said, every church is different and sometimes it's not easy. Uh, like you said, whether it's the church doesn't have a structure for it or um, people's schedules are difficult. I just think it's about continuing to pursue others. Just, I mean, literally just walk up to somebody who goes to your church or uh, is in your, you know, in your circle of influence or lives in your neighborhood and just ask them if they want to get a meal together, or get coffee together or, or um, you know, just go do something together. It's, I think a lot of times, especially again, especially in American culture, we just make it so hard. We have all these things that um, we pretend are genuine connections and genuine relationships that just aren't. And so I, I think it's important to find those real relationships and find people that are, you know, in the same phase of life that can support you and, and walk with you. And, you know, if you're, if you have kids, hang out with believers who have kids and swap stories and parenting tips and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's just about connecting with people that you um, have something in common with and yeah, taking it from there. That's great, uh, Brandon. Uh, but because uh, nowadays the love of many Christians are fading away. People are losing, people are losing faith in Christ. People are backsliding. Mm -hmm. They enter the world uh, into nightclubs and going to all kind of parties just to make themselves happy. And gradually, Christians are losing their faith in Christ, and the world is trying to dominate um, that. So, in such way, uh, how, how how can we Christians know our life purpose? How do we know that there is a purpose for us, and 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 how do we identify this purpose that? Is there really a purpose for us? Are we here on this edge just for for eating and then sleeping and just uh, is, some, is there something for us? Can we go more into the, the purpose, our life, the mission, our vision on, on this life, on this edge? Yeah, absolutely. That's one of my favorite things to talk about. Honestly, I love uh, just talk about life purpose because I think everybody has to a certain extent the same life purpose, and that is. Um, love Jesus and love others and then point, point people to him. You know, I think throughout scripture, we see people come to that realization in two different ways. You know, you have Solomon who comes to that realization after just pain and toil and the book of Ecclesiastes is just so sad. And then at the end, he's like, yeah, the purpose of all this is to, is, is to love God and do what he says, you know, and he came to that through such a difficult uh, process. And then we see people who come to it um, in a different way, you know, we have guys, you know, we have guys like, um, the apostles, Paul or, or you know, Peter and, and James and, and John who like come to know that their purpose is to love God and love others, by just hanging out with Jesus by being his, his people. And so I think to a certain, you know, the, the, the major, the biggest purpose of our life is to, is to bring glory to God and point others to him. But then I think we all have kind of a unique purpose as well. We're all wired um, or, or created in a way that gives us uh, different influence, that gives us different giftings, that gives us different um, connections with people. And we can find our unique piece of that purpose, the smaller part, uh, by just figuring out what those gifts are. And sometimes that's hard because um, I was reading uh, something on the Internet the other day where uh, someone posted that, 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 that what I just said, basically like, you know, God's called you to something. He's going to give you the means to do it. And the first comment underneath it was, what if he hasn't called you to anything? And I responded with, you know, God's called everyone to something. And uh, we just have to figure out what our gifts are. And that's sometimes hard because there's a lot of people out there that unfortunately don't feel like they're gifted at anything, but um, we've all got gifts in our life and we've all got things that we're good at or things that we enjoy things that we're super passionate about. We've got things that burden our hearts. Um, when we look at, you know, there are certain things that we look at and we say, this is not the way that this should be this we've got, I've got to do something about this. And, and those moments in our life really can kind of point us to what our purpose is. Um, it comes through our values. It comes through 
and our stories. You know, I've got tons of, of stories throughout my life where looking back, you know, in the moment, it didn't feel like it mattered. It felt very inconsequential or it felt very random. And then looking back at those stories, I've learned valuable lessons from things that seemed silly in the moment. Um, and then if I, if I zoom out even farther and I look at all those stories together, I can kind of start to see where God's leading me and what he wants me to do. And honestly, um, just like my, my story of how I got involved in church ministry and how I got involved in student ministry is, is a great example of that. You know, it wasn't something that I just decided I wanted to do. It was something that God led me to very uh, purposefully, very methodically. Um, unfortunately, I had to go through some pain to get there. Um, and I've had to go through some pain since when I when my calling seems less clear, you know. But um, I think if we honestly look back, honestly look at our story, honestly look at the way God has been leading us throughout our entire life, um, it's pointing us somewhere. And that is usually where our unique purpose lies is in that um, sort of where our stories and our passions come together. All right, um, um, you've really said a lot about identifying our purpose, uh, how they call it, our, our gifts, our talent, our passion. So if let's assume that um, has God truly called each of us to, to maybe to preach, maybe uh, to do one particular sound, because let's assume that everybody is maybe um, cleaning the table, who, 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 uh, who prepare the food, who go to the farm and then I bring out the food stuff. So, in in my uh, belief, I believe that everybody has a special calling, a special purpose, a special gift or talent. So, in that case, how do we identify that particular gift? How do we identify that particular uh, talent in us so that we can build on those talents so that we will not just work out like how people are just working out? Yeah, um, there's a couple ways. I think that there's a lot of things that you just know if you're good at something or not. Um, that's not true for everything or everyone. Um, you know, if I if I want to, if I think I'm good at cooking, but my food's always burnt, I'm I'm not a good cook. And so there's some some things like that that are very easy to say. Oh, no, this isn't it. Um, and then there's some other things that we're you know, we're kind of good at, and maybe we enjoy them a little bit. And, you know, that, that can be somewhere that maybe you can serve if, if there's a need, um, but it's probably not the thing that you would do with your whole life, right? Uh, there's some things that we really enjoy, but we're not that good at them. Um, sports is a great example of this for me. I love playing sports. I'm not good enough to like make it uh, what I do with my life. I would never make it. Um, but then there's things that we are good at and that we love to do. And that's really the spot we want to live in. So for me, um, I feel like I'm a really good uh, preacher. I'm a really good um, pastor and that I gifted in making connections and building relationships and loving people. And I love doing those things. I love, I love preaching the word of God. I love opening up scripture and helping people understand it. I love building relationships and connecting people to their purpose and to their creator. Um, I love those things and I'm good at them. And I feel like that is how we know um, our purpose. Um, outside of that, like I think that those are the ways that we would self-identify, right? But beyond that, there's always wise counsel. Like I, you know, like I was saying earlier, how important it is to be connected to other believers. We need to be connected to people who um, have wisdom and who can look at a situation and say, uh, yeah, that might be for you, or no, that's probably not for you. And I've got a lot of people like that in my life, um, pastors around me. My wife is very, very gifted with wisdom. Um, my family, my dad and my, um, my grandmother before she passed away were very wise. Um, and so I would ask them sometimes. There was a couple of things that I asked my dad. I was like, I think that I might do this. Um, and he was like, don't do that. That's not, you're not going to like that. And uh, so... <laughs> You know, things like that are good. Just, you know, you have to have wise counsel in your life. And those people will affirm gifts in you sometimes that you don't even see in yourself. Um, the first person who told me I was a good preacher, uh, it, it happened before I ever preached a sermon. It was just in a conversation or I was telling somebody something and, and he, another pastor walked up and he said, hey, you, you are a, a speaker. You need to be 
building up this gift. You need to be working on, you know, and you learn how to put sermons together. You need to learn how to preach. Like that is a gifting that God has given you. And I didn't see that in myself at all at the time. And he called it out from so far away. And um, so just having people in your life that can see your blind spots and, and, you know, help point you in either direction, point you away from things that you think are a good idea that actually aren't or point you towards great things that you don't see in yourself. Well, that was great. Uh, Brandon, I'm seeking counseling and then um, uh, helping in that way. You really talk a lot about today. So uh, in branching that to, to the Christian faith, uh, today uh, we can see that, um, as I said, the love of Christ is growing cold in, in this end time. So my issue is how should Christians um, relate with the world and at the same time be in Christ? Because uh, it seems that the people around us are the same people who don't like Christ and definitely they will influence us today on the social media, on the internet. You try to check them on the internet, there will be a kind of adapt showing up, a pop-up, a kind of upon um, a, a nude lady like uh, almost naked lady she will pop up on, on your on your on your internet on your laptop on your computer and so how should christians live in this world and still maintain their integrity with christ without them being corrupted or without them being uh, uh losing the, their salvation in christ yeah that's a really good question and it, it's getting more and more difficult to be able to do that you know scripture tells us to be in the world but not of the world. And then if you look at Jesus, we see Jesus eating in the home of sinners, eating in the home of tax collectors. Um, we see Jesus forgive an adulterous woman who is caught in the very act. We see him um, communicating, having a, a long conversation with a Samaritan woman who um, had a, a, a storied past. But we never see Jesus um, uh, compromise who he is. We never see Jesus um, hold loosely to his morals. We never see Jesus hold loosely to the call of God on his life. In fact, there, you know, when, when he's at, right after his baptism, he's taken into the desert to be tempted by Satan. And we see there, not only does he not um, compromise, but he doubles down, like he, he remains steadfast. And I think um, if we really look at the way that Jesus lived his life, um, that's the answer. You know, um, he did, he did this so well. He did it so well. He was never afraid to go into places that were filled with darkness. He was never afraid to enter into an area where sin was prevalent. But at the same time, if you look at him and his life, he, he was he built this system around him that, um, one, it protected him, and then two, it really helped him to continue to spread the message in that setting. And so, I would say, um, I would say that you have to measure how much time you're spending in community with believers, and how much time you're spending in community with the church and with God, versus how much time you're spending in the world. And then look at your life and see: um, Am I becoming more like Jesus with the choices that I'm making, or less like Jesus with the choices that I'm making? And so, you know, uh, you're talking about different uh, situations on the internet and different, like, you know, people going out to clubs and partying and things like that. I'm not saying that we should be engaging in any of that. We shouldn't. We shouldn't be engaging in those activities as, as Christians. But we should also be uh, um, the type of people who can love and serve the people who are engaging in those things and kind of try to point them to a better way. Um, and, and that's what Jesus did. You know, when, when we see him uh, in this conversation with this adulterous woman, he, he doesn't condemn her. He doesn't say, how dare you? He doesn't list out all of her many sins. Instead, he says, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. And how can we as a people be, be like that? How can we as the body of believers uh, decide that we're not here to condemn? We're not going to condemn anybody. Uh, we're going to we're going to invite them into a relationship with Jesus and we're going to challenge them to go and sin no more. Um, if if somebody hadn't done that for me, I don't know what my life would be like. You know, if, if somebody had told me like, oh, you're going to pay for what you've done. man, I never would have come back to 
into this relationship with Jesus because the the things that I had done were so weighing so heavily on me. I don't think I could have approached him, um, but instead, so they loved me enough to to let me know that they cared about me as a person and wanted more for my life than what I was than the things that I was pursuing. And uh, it took time. It took patience. Uh, it was a slow process. But at the end of it, man, my life is completely different because somebody was willing to take that time uh, with me. So I would encourage everybody, uh, if you're a believer in Jesus, you need to be building uh, relationships with people who aren't. And that relationship needs to be um, one of love and one of um, invitation. And um, the goal needs to be to point them to Jesus. And I think, you know, if Christians would just do that, we can, we can help one person at a time uh, come into this, this saving relationship with Jesus. Then I think that we'll see the church uh, begin to, one, grow, and then, two, catch that, uh, catch that fire again, catch that passion for Jesus again. Because, um, you know, if you have a bunch of hot coals together in a fire, they stay hot for a long time. But if you put one out to the side, it burns out quickly. And that's what we need. We need that fire. We need that unified body of Christ, the church, the, all the believers to be about one thing. And that one thing be about introducing people to Jesus. Oh, that's great. Brandon, you talk very deep and very deep with your, with your uh, words of um, uh, wisdom out here. Um, um, but today, as we can see, um, I can say what I can say is that um, there is a kind of no unity in most uh, uh, churches. That's why I, I can see the the unity in the church is somehow very weak. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 as I said uh, uh, today, if if you try to let's say bring a, a believe an unbeliever to into the Christian, if you don't take care, they will be the one to pull you out of the church. So in such way, I believe that. Uh, before a Christian or before a believer in Christ Jesus uh, should go out to the world, I think he has to build himself in the Lord first, uh, strong um, in prayer, so that when, when he enters into the arena of the unbelievers, they will not pull him or her uh, uh, from the faith. Because I knew I know some people uh, who were trying to bring people into Christ, but they rather backslided while they were trying to bring people into Christ. So sure. I think that, that is when we Christians have to build ourselves more in prayer so that we can stay very active in the spirit so that when we go out there in the spirit that is not of Christ, that will try to push us to their lane, then the Holy Spirit will empower us because we have built ourselves uh, in the Lord. As Jesus said um, in the book of Matthew 26, verse 41, that uh, we should watch and pray least we fall into uh, temptation. Our spirit is willing, but uh, the flesh is weak. So you really talk a lot today, uh, Brandon, today. So um, without wasting, um, wasting much time, you, you talk about we um, are worshiping God in, in, our, in our chambers. Uh, you talk about the Holy Spirit. So just want to talk a little about the Holy Spirit before we end our discussion today. Um, in your personal work with the Lord, have you had an encounter with Jesus? Have you had an encounter with the Holy Spirit? If yes, how did it happen? If no, um, how should we build um, a connection with the Holy Spirit? Because we, we, we cannot see God with our physical eyes. We cannot see with the Holy Spirit with our physical eyes. So how do you experience somebody that we have not seen and felt before as Christians? Yeah, that's a good question. It's that's a hard one. You know, it's it's really tough because, man, I think it's a lot about the condition of our heart and how do we, um, I don't know. There's an old saying that's like uh, we can't see the wind, but we feel its presence and we see its effects. Um, we see that that there is, uh, we feel it on our skin right as it passes by, and we see its effects and that you know it's moving trees and um, picking up dust and pushing it around and and things like that we see we feel its presence and we see its effects and i think the same is true uh with god you know we may not be able to see him physically but we can feel his presence and we can see its his effects and uh for me personally i know i know that there's been moments of of prayer 
uh, where I'm sitting there, I'm reading my Bible, I'm praying, I'm asking God for wisdom or for clarity or for uh, help with a decision. And I just have this peace about whatever thoughts come to my mind. Um, you know, I, I believe that, that that is God just sort of speaking and confirming. Um, and then I see his effects. You know, I've, I've prayed fervently at times for different things. You know, I've had sick family members that I've prayed for. I've had sick friends that I've prayed for who have gotten better. And, um, you know, it's through those things that I just know that God is, is real and that's how I experience him. Um, and then there's just something about, you know, uh, every morning when I'm driving from dropping my kids off at school to my office, I just, I turn on worship music in the car and I just pray. And uh, I just feel his presence in that space. Like it's almost as if he's in the car with me. And um, those are, those are kind of my experiences of where I felt his presence, um, you know, and then just see it in different uh, aspects of life and different things where, um, I remember when my kids were born when my first child was born, just like looking at her and knowing that, uh, that, that God was in, in the midst of it, that, that he had knit her together, that he had, that she was made fearfully and wonderfully by his hand. And the same thing when my second daughter was born, um, just those moments, there are moments when God shows up in ways that, um, it's hard to explain, but you know, he's there. Um, and I, I wish that there was an answer that was more concrete, that was more physical, you know, that you could put your hands on or touch. Um, but I just don't think that that's the way that God has chosen to work now. Like, yes, there are times when, when I hear him speak or I'll dream something that is from him. And I do believe that there are people that hear him speak, uh, in their own ways, whether that sounds audible or what, but for my life, for me, it's always been just this, this feeling of closeness. It's almost like if, if I'm doing something uh, and I'm focused on it, I'm sitting at my kitchen counter and I'm writing or I'm reading and someone comes into the room and stands behind me, I don't see them, but often I, can, I know they're there. I feel their presence. And I can turn around and see that somebody's there and it's different with God, but I feel like it's that same thing. Like for me, I may not be able to see him, but I, I can feel his presence. And I know that he's there. Oh, that's great. So you can feel his presence uh, in, in, your, in your inner man. So um, if you can ask this way, um, how, how do you hear the voice of God? And how do you know it is God speaking to you? And how do you know it's your mm -hmm. own voice or maybe a kind of conscience speaking to you? Yeah, that's good. I think a lot of people think that they hear God uh, telling them to do things that, uh, you know, they justify like, well, God said I could do this. And uh, that's a slippery slope. There's a couple of things I know about the voice of God um, that that we find in scripture. One is, is if uh, you think God said something or tells you to do something that's against his word, it wasn't him. It's not him. Uh, he's not going to contradict himself. He's not going to go against uh, scripture. He's not going to go against his word. So um, that's that's an easy way. The question would to ask would be, does this line up with scripture? Does what I think is revelation from God actually line up with scripture? Um, and then the second thing is, is just look at God's attributes throughout scripture. Um, God is loving. God is kind. He is patient. Um, he is for you. He created you. He's He likes you. He's proud of you. Um, and if if what you're hearing is is counter to that, then it's probably not the voice of God. And so, and then then finally, uh, again coming back to wise counsel, if you're trying to make a decision, it lines up with Scripture. It's it's it lines up with God's attributes, but you're still not sure. That's when you could go to wise counsel and seek confirmation. Do you what do you think about this? Does it does it line up with with your thoughts? And and uh, that's it's a good way too. So Scripture, what's God like? What does the wise counsel in my life say? And I think if, if those three are all aligned, then, then it is the voice of God that you're hearing. Um, the best way to pursue that, to, to, to get with God, is through reading scripture and spending time in prayer. Well, that was great. You really said a lot today, uh, Brandon. You've learned much deeper. But uh, this question is also bothering me. I want to ask, you see, when we read the Old Testament, we see a kind of God being violent, like, uh, killing people with 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 uh, with flood in the time of Noah, 
Sodom and Gomorrah, he, 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 he became very angry, destroyed with, with brimstone. And we see many occasions, the old where we can see that God is very violent and very, very, let's say, unless supposedly he was wicked, as people, the unbelievers will try to tell God that uh, why was God so violent or so wicked in the Old Testament, killing human beings, killing children, people going to war. But in, in the New Testament, we see a new kind of God. So why, why is it that way? How do we know that we are serving the same God or a different God? And how do we know that we are on the, on the path of, of the true way to God? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and it's, it's one that's, it's hard to navigate, you know, honestly, uh, it does appear that there are two different pictures of God. But I think there's a few things to take note of is one, um, when God called Abraham, when he said, you're going to be my chosen people, um, he said, and through you, the world will come to know me. And so we see God, um, telling the Israelites to separate themselves from the world, to be set apart, to be a holy people. But what gets kind of missed sometimes is while they were set apart, while they were holy, the community was also open. So anybody who wanted to follow Yahweh, who wanted to become um, part of this community, could do so. Uh, we see examples of that with people like uh, Ruth. When when she came back with Naomi, they she was she was welcomed into the Jewish community. You know, uh, so we see that the, the door was open. And then two, as we look at these situations, we look at Sodom and Gomorrah, we look at cities in the, the in Exodus or um, numbers like uh, AI and Jericho and, and places like that. Um, you find that like when the spies went into Jericho, they knew that you know, people knew that who God was. The, Rahab talks about that fact when she sees the spies. She said, we know who your God is. We know what's coming, you know, can I go with you guys? And they're like, yeah, we, you know, here's what you got to do. We'll make sure you're safe. So the door was open. They knew the consequences of not following God. And yet they still stayed in their, in their own sin. Conversely, look at the people of Nineveh when Jonah went and said, hey, you need to, you need to get your life right. You need to follow the Lord or this is going to happen. They repented. And, and God yielded. He didn't destroy their city. And so God always has always been grace forward. He's always given people the opportunity to come into a relationship with him. And uh, in every step of the way, you know, if you look at these stories, there's always been this door that's been open. And so, yeah, some of the, some of the stories seem extreme, but at the same time, uh, to know the history of these people, these people groups, and what was happening, what they were doing, the the, the sacrifices that they were making, the, that they were killing their own children, um, things like that. God is trying to uh, cut off evil, but he's always giving people a chance to repent and turn to him. Well, that's great, uh, Brandon, for uh, mass keeping. Um, so if, if we can maybe look at the biblical or the, the, the fact that God really hates evil and, 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 and God cannot uh, condone uh, evil, and so whatever becomes evil, we have to fight it and, and destroy it because he's a holy God and he's a God of I think I had, I had a dream where I heard a voice of God. In fact, I truly believe it is a voice of God. And in that dream, I heard God telling me that if, if I want to, to work for him, I must work with holy people. I just heard that simple word in my dream, and I just wake up from my bed. He said, if I want to work with him and work for, for him, I must work with holy people. So I think what he just said, try to confirm what, that God is a holy God, and he, we must separate ourselves from anything that, that would defile us. Uh, 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 what we're working and I think when they also connect with the Holy Spirit that even the name being holy means that he's a holy spirit he's whole that is why we call him holy so right I think that is when most Christians don't understand that who truly the Spirit of God is he's whole that's why we call him holy spirit so we have to also be holy in, in our ways and in our way so uh, if I can ask in that way how should Christians live a holy life just in a summary form, how can Christians live a holy life? 
Um, I think you said it, you know, we've got to separate any, you got to take away anything that's going to pull us away from that. You know, if, uh, if you have a, an addiction or, or a struggle like that, um, you've got to remove it from your life. You know, um, there's plenty of people that love Jesus that struggle with, like you, you said earlier, you mentioned, you know, porn or partying and things like that. They, they struggle with these things and we've got to get serious about removing that stuff from our life. Um, I have the opportunity to preach this weekend. And one of the things I'm talking about is uh, King Josiah, who was eight years old when he went on the throne. He was 26, decided to completely reform uh, the nation and point them back to, to God. But in that story, he ends up removing all of the pagan temples. He ends up removing all of the shrines, all the altar poles, all the things that um, the people have been worshiping. And um, he takes them all out of the of the the nation completely because he knew that if they stayed there that they were going to backslide that they were going to go back to those things because that's what people do and so he got serious and and took drastic measures to remove those things from from the nation and in so doing he made it easier for them to live a holy life and so for for me if i struggle with uh what i watch on tv maybe i need to consider not you know, having the TV in my house or my bedroom or wherever it is. If I struggle with things on the internet, um, maybe best to leave my computer at the office and not bring it home. Um, there are things that we can do to to pursue holiness. But at the end of the day, we got to know that that holiness and righteousness, it's only because of Jesus. It's not because of anything that we can do. So we enter into this relationship with Jesus. We spend time in, in prayer, spend time in the word, ask him for to to give us the strength to uh, to face these temptations, but also do the work that that we can do uh, to make it less of, of an issue. And so what I mean by that is, like I said, spend a lot of time in prayer, spend a lot of time in the word, but if you need to remove some things from your life, remove things from your life. Well, that's great. Uh, you have to remove things from my life. That is when, as you said, we have to get more in time with the scriptures read more of the word and, and uh, obey the word of God so that uh, as David said, thy word have I in my heart that I may not sin against thee. So I think yeah. uh, as it's connected that way that when we, we allow the word of God to stay in our heart, it can help us uh, live a holy life. But my last question to ask uh, Pastor Brandon or Brandon, uh, Brandon today, uh, there is a the cliche, there is a kind of a new age doctrine that once saved, you are always saved. When you give your life to Christ, uh, that is all because Christ has done it once and for all. So, uh, is it true that once you are saved, uh, you can never lose your salvation? When you give your life to Christ, um, that is it. That is all. Is it really true? How does it work in that way? In the summary form, how do you uh, relate with that uh, doctrine or that kind of faith? Yeah, I mean... I. This is a tough one for me. I've gone kind of back and forth throughout my whole life. And I think that, um, yeah, I, I don't know, to be honest, I, I know what I think, but I don't, I can't say for sure that what I think is correct or incorrect. And uh, at the end of the day, what I want for myself is I want to follow Jesus and know, you know, I don't want to wonder. I don't want to wonder at the end if I'm, if I'm saved or not. So I want to follow Jesus with everything I've got. I want to live my life according to him. When I, when I mess up, when I make mistakes, I want to repent cr- quickly. Um, I want to uh, follow him, but I think it's about a heart condition. You know, I think if somebody uh, prays a prayer so that they can uh, not, uh, you know, so that they can get out of hell, I don't think that that's how it works. I think that there's got to be life change or something more. Like God is calling us to more, um, to a life that reflects him. And I don't think that it's like a, just a secret password that gets us in. I think it's a life lived in pursuit of Jesus. And so, um, yeah, I, I don't know what the answer to the question is, once saved, always saved or not. Um, I know that salvation comes uh, through Jesus alone. And so we've got to be connected to him. And so if we're connected to him, uh, we will be with him for eternity. And if we're not connected to him, then we won't. I really like the word you said that anytime you, you you like you mess up, you repent quickly. I I like that word you said. You repent quickly and return to Christ, 
But I think that is where the courage comes in because uh, it's like we are working in Christ and Jesus said that um, if we truly really love him, we will obey his uh, commandment. And he said that um, my sheep hear my voice and, and they follow me. And then it's like a tree and a branch. So we have to attach ourselves with a tree so that um, the branch will not, will not get uh, broken. Right. So I yeah. think it's a very uh, tough and a deep question. I, I really like how you answered it. I'm following Jesus Christ. When I repent, I still stick. I, I repent and come back to him. I think that is the best, most important thing because there are some Christians out there they're giving their life to Christ and uh, they still don't care. They Maybe they live in sin, but they don't repent and they still live in that sin and they still emphasize that uh, it is Christ who has done it and therefore I can't live in house. But I think that's yeah. where repentance must come in any time the Holy Ghost draws our attention that my son, my daughter, you are backsliding, come back to me. That is when we make a change and then come back to Christ so that he can uh, accept us back. Like the prodigal son and the father, when, when, when the son realized his sin, I think he repented, he, he, he realized it was sin, he came back to his father and his father uh, accepted him back uh, into the house. So I think that is when Christians should realize that although we are giving our life to Christ Jesus, yes, Christ has saved us, but any time we backslide, we have to come back and then know that, yes, we have uh, mixed the path and we need him back in our life so that we can work successfully uh, with him. So, um, Pastor Brandon, or uh, Brandon, in, in our last uh, question, you want to add something to it or? Sorry, what was that? Uh, okay. So, um, uh, in summary, what last word do you want to say to our hearers? Uh, I want to add oh, to you, I want to add up. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, thank you um, for that. I, man, I just hope that throughout this conversation, you've asked some great questions and I've really enjoyed uh, being on the show today, being part of this discussion. Uh, I hope that through all of it, uh, everyone that's listening hears that, that Jesus loves you so much. He wants so much more for you than the world wants for you. And, uh, man, all you have to do is just follow him, and he's going to lead you where you're supposed to go. He's going to give you peace. It's not necessarily going to be a change in your situation. He's going to give you the desires of your heart uh, when your heart's desires align with his. And um, he's just got a purpose and a plan for you. And, um, and that there's just so much joy in following him. Well, that's great, uh, Brandon. So, uh, Brandon, do you have maybe a blog or you have a website, you have a book of writing that um, hearers can connect with you? Absolutely. Um, I have a blog, I have a podcast as well, and I, uh, I have a book as well um, that's about purpose and about finding your purpose in, in God. And it's all on my website, which is uh, my name, Brandon Hare, uh, .me. Uh, so, Brandon, H-A-I-R dot M-E. All right, so you have a book. Uh, we didn't even talk about your book, I think. So uh, where can we get your book to buy or to read? Uh, yeah, my book's called Magic in the Mug, and it's just all about, um, like I said, purpose and, and uh, how God leads us to our purpose through our, through our own stories. And you can get it at magicinthemug.com, or it's available on Amazon if you just search up Magic in the Mug. Well, that's great. Um, the magical man. I think uh, maybe at that time we'll discuss about your book and dive more deeper into your book. So, um, awesome. nice having you and then on our show today. And I believe as time goes on, we'll have much discussion. So, can we end in prayers before we, we, we end our discussion? Can you pray for us, Pastor Brandon? Absolutely. Uh, God, just uh, come before you. Thank you so much for um, this opportunity to, to together and just. Uh, discuss your word, discuss who you are, discuss your love, and, and hopefully share it uh, to, to anyone that's listening. God, I just pray a special blessing today um, over anyone listening, uh, over um, us, over this discussion. And I just pray that you would use it to accomplish your purposes, that you would use it to um, build your kingdom, and that you would use it uh, to draw others to you. It's uh, in your name that we pray. Amen. 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 So that's how. We end our discussion today. I had with me um, 
Pastor Brandon Lee here, and it's your host, um, the Pastor or Prophet uh, Diodu Henry Apiakran on Isaiah discussions today. So I encourage you as you are hearing this podcast, please do your best to share the link um, on all social media sites so that others can also get uh, connected uh, in this uh, discussion. So you are blessed and uh, God be with you and connect with um, Brandon Lee or Brandon Haley. He has his book out there. Check his book out and see what he has written. Check on his blog and connect together. Also, come to this podcast and listen more and share more to become blessed in this end time. Once again, this is your host, um, Henry Diodu Apiakran, and you are blessed and God be with you in Jesus Christ's name. Shout a big amen. Amen.